July 29th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Afsadizayin Amud Aleph. If you count from the top of the page, it's five lines down. It's two words before the end of the line. Tanura Banan. The Gemara begins with a Beraita and it continues to discuss for some lines and then for some lines after a short break. Yemot uh, Mashiach. It's the rabbi's either tradition, understanding, or general acceptance of what the course of events might look like leading up to the, let's call it, final redemption. Tanura Banan, Shavua Sheben David Babo. During the Shavua, Shavua, of course, has the word seven in it. Sheva, it's a reference to the seven years, the Shemitah, so to speak, cycle, leading up to Mashiach. Those seven years, what will they look like? Shanari Shona Mitkayem In the first of those seven years leading up to the redemption, leading up to Mashiach, uh, there'll be a fulfillment of the following pasuk, There'll be rain on a specific city, but not on another. There'll be disparate locations of success with finance and progress with regards to, quote-unquote, the rain that's being showered upon it. But look at it in the contemporary societal fashion. It means... We'll have locations, countries, and cities which are progressing, doing very well, and others which are not. That'll be year one leading up to this, this so to speak, gap in, call it society, with regards to standing. Sheniyah, the second of those seven years leading up to Mashiach, chiseraav mishtalechim. A chetz in Hebrew is a reference to an arrow. Rashi explains over here, if it's arrows of famine which are being shot, it means it's pinpointed. It's not widespread that there'll be famine everywhere. It means there'll be pockets of famine here, pockets of famine there. That will be year two. It's not going to hit us all at once, so to speak. We're going to be hit slowly in a confusing, almost not direct fashion. Shilishit, what will happen in the third year leading up to Mashiach? Ra'av gadol, that's when it'll hit hard. There'll be a great famine. Umetim anashim v'nashim v'tav hasidim ve'anshe ma'aseh And there'll be deaths to men, women, children, righteous people, those who are involved with proper activity, they'll all be dying in year three. V'torah mishtakahat milomedea And because of the confusions, the trials, the tribulations of this time period, the deaths, the famine, Torah will be lost as well. Torah will be forgotten, Torah will be forsaken because everyone will be, maybe rightfully to a certain extent, focused on maintaining life. But if you eat, when you get to year four, as matters appear to be changing and perhaps waning with regards to the negativity, sova ve'eno sova. There'll be some sort of intermediary stage. There'll be a satiated state, but not fully satiated. That might even be the most difficult. It's oftentimes that threshold between famine, starvation, and being filled, where there's uncertainty, which is, in the emotional psyche of humanity, the most difficult. Bahamishit. Sova gadol, in year five, there's, so to speak, and uh, a hope, a tikva, for a redemption. There'll be widespread sova, there'll be food, there'll be satiation. Ve'ochlim ve'shotinu smechin, ve'torah chozeret lelo medea, and Torah will in turn return, will in turn come back as a result of uh, easy times, as a result of our ability to maintain lives in a regular fashion. Uh, enjoying life in a proper way. Bashishit kolot. 
in year six, there'll be sounds, says Rashi, sounds of the coming of Mashiach. Furthermore, says Rashi, that's a fulfillment of the Pasuk. There'll be that. We have in the Amidah every day. There'll be the sounds of the Shofar. We've talked about the significance of Shofar, of song, to the days of Mashiach. In the seventh year, Milhamot, that's the uh, prophecy of perhaps Gog Umagog, it's a prophecy of the nations of the world fighting and perhaps in some way persecuting and fighting against Am Yisrael further. Bimosa'eshivi'it at the end of, and as we're exiting year seven, Ben David Ba, that's Ben David, a reference to Mashiach, the Sukkot David Hanofelet, as we mentioned yesterday. He will come to rebuild the monarchy, the strength and uh, sovereignty of Am Yisrael. Uh, that is the description. Now, where is this being sourced from? What are we pointing to? It doesn't appear to be anything other than either tradition or general understanding or prediction of the rabbis. In truth, as we go along in this Amud, the Hachamim will get a little wary of too much prediction. Already the Gemara will question this. And the Gemara will, as a result, say, maybe you should pay less attention to this. We'll deal with that in the Gemara as the Gemara gets even further along the path of saying, stop focusing that much on your Motamashiach. But as the Gemara says, Amar of Yosef, Ham ha kamashivi'it dehavakin. Says Rav Yosef, wait a second. We've had several seven-year processes or, or, or cycles wherein this was fulfilled. And he didn't come. Mashiach hasn't come yet. In other words, uh, Rav Yosef questions and says, I don't know what sort of tradition or what sort of masoret uh, you have with regards to these seven years because I've seen this. I've seen famine, I've seen starvation, I've seen satiation, I've seen it all, and I still haven't seen Mashiach. Oh, thanks, Jeff, you're really sa- saving me today. The Gemara, the, 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 the tradition over here doesn't have, I, I mentioned the word sovereignty to a certain extent, doesn't have a full-fledged sovereignty. It talks about Torah returning. It does, it's on year seven, Mashiach will come and restore you know, true sovereignty. They're not actually talking about yet sovereignty, and they couldn't imagine it in, you know, in the way that we can today. Amar Abaye says Abaye, no, I'll tell you why you, we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, we've seen aspects of this. We've had glimpses of particular traits of these seven years, but we haven't seen bashishit kolot, bashivirit milhamot, we haven't heard shofar soundings for, shofar, uh, for, for Mashiach, we haven't seen wars of the magnitude that's predicted with regards to end of days, mihava, have we had kolot bashivirit, excuse me, bashishit kolot, bashivirit milhamot, mihava, have we seen that, have we had that, ve'od, and furthermore, says Abaye, in quote-unquote explaining this to Rav Yosef, why what we've had is not the forebearings of Yomot HaMashiach, Kisidran Mihava, have we had it in the proper order? We haven't, there's a specific order. It's the way it's going to work, year one, and year two, and year three. It's true, we may have had this, and in a disparate circumstance, that, but we haven't had it in order. Says Gemara onward, in a bit more discussion, elaboration about Yomot HaMashiach, Tanyar Biuda Omer, Dor sheben David babo betavad yehieliznut. Says the generation, if you're looking to pinpoint and understand the nature of uh, the, uh, the the low level of the people and society leading up to Yimot HaMashiach, it's a time during which Bet Va'ad says Rashi, the gathering place for Talmudah Hachamim, for scholars and lawmakers, it will be desolate and instead filled with 
Zenut, Zenut is sexual promiscuity. It'll be filled with harlots instead of scholars. That's the type of generation where wisdom, where truth is forsaken to the extent that there's no use for it. There are little people looking to uh, delve into it. And as a result, it'll be left instead the same locations which were once filled with emet and chokmah will now be filled with the lowest level, perhaps, of human capacity, that of Zenut. The Galil and the Galilee, Yeharev, for some reason or another, envisions, he understands, he has a tradition, that the Galil will be destroyed leading up to it. The Gavlan Yeisham, and another place called the Gavlan, not fully defined exactly where we're dealing with, Marshal looks to pinpoint the Pasuk in uh, Tanakh where we refer to this place. Perhaps it'll be Yeisham, Shemama, it means it's going to be desolate. The Anshe Gevul, and those who live on the borders of Eres Israel, who are now seeking and searching some sort of stability, they're not going to have that stability. They're going to need to go to collect alms and charity from city to city. But people won't have hanina for them. People won't be giving to them. People won't be helping them. And the knowledge of the sofrim in the Gemara in many places, they refer to the rabbis, they refer to the scholars, those who will bear the tradition as sofrim. The Gemara Masechet Kiddushin plays with that word. Why were they called? Why are they called sofrim? Not Milashon Sofer as a scribe, but rather Sofer as a counter, because they would count the number of letters and words and Pesukim in the Torah. That's Gemara Masechet Kiddushin. Generally speaking, when we refer to Sofrim, the Gemara refers to Moshe Rabbeinu Masechet Sotah as Safra Rabbi, who was the great scribe. To be a scribe means I'm able to take the words of God, so to speak, and put it down to paper in order to hand that over to the next generation. Either way, you slice, slice it. We uh, colloquially, for a long time, rabbinically speaking, we refer to Sofrim as the scholars, as the rabbis. Chokmat Sofrim, Tisrach. Tisrach means it'll be, um, it'll be spoiled. It won't be apparent any longer. It won't be uh, blossoming, burgeoning, and in any way healthy. It'll be lost. It'll be spoiled. Ve'yere'ehet, and those who fear sin, yima'asu, will become an abomination, a disgrace. Uh, this is not exactly a generation we're looking forward to. It's not exactly a generation uh, we uh, uh, seek out. But the understanding of the Gemara, of the rabbis, is as follows. And we'll see it through and through. And we're familiar with this sort of vision, that in order to go up, in order to cleanse yourself of wrongdoings, in order to restart, sometimes you have to go that far down. You have to truly, quote-unquote, cleanse it of all of its rotten nature, by getting into the lowest depths of that rottenness with, through which only and then, specifically then, can there be redemption. This is the statement I mentioned yesterday. And the face of the generation will be like the face of a dog. What does it mean that the face of the dog will be the face of the generation? Rashi has two explanations. Either... Yeah, people are going to start to look ugly. That's right, unless you think dogs look good. It's going to look like a kale. That's more even a he quotes from his rabbi. Rashi has a different explanation. Dogs are not generally embarrassed one from the other. It's going to be a generation during which and in which people do what they want without feeling shame. They just will act and say and think whatever they feel like 
without any shame, like a dog. As I mentioned to you yesterday, Rabbi Hanun Wasserman, as I recall quotes from Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, that the alternative explanation to this is, referring to the face of the leadership, and if you look at a person who's being seemingly led by a dog, it appears as if the dog is the leader. It's when you get to the corner that the dog turns around and looks at the true leader, at the owner and wants direction that you now understand who's actually in charge. If the generation is being led by the dog, it means that the, it means that the leadership who appear to be the leadership are truly just the popular leadership. They're not actually exerting leadership skills, vision, direction, having bravery and courage to lead the people in the, in the direction that they should be. They're rather constantly turning to the people. It's a generation of people who appear to be leaders but are truly being led by, quote unquote, the followers. It's when the leader stands up and is looking at the eyes of the people, understanding what their tendencies are, and instead of seeking to rectify and make it better, working with them, listening to them, just furthering their mission instead of the vision that they should have. That's the terrible circumstance of a peneha dor ki peneha kele veha emet ne'ederet, and truth will be forsaken, as the Pasuk says in Sefer Yeshayahu, emet will be forsaken, truth. Says the Gemara, let's get a little bit more specific with regards to that word, the word has in it the word eder, eder means a group. The vision of the rabbis in turn, it will be a time period during which truth will start to be pocketed. There'll be groups and clusters of those who speak about truth, but then it'll start to dissipate. If you have collections of those who speak properly, those who follow an appropriate path, but everyone else is ignoring them and they become the minority, they become more and more lost. So the word we envision the word from Parashat Vayishlach, that Yaakov makes his groups, Eder, Eder, Levador. It's a group. That's what Eder is. Eder is, you can have truth taking place, but if it's not catching hold because it's not what becomes the norm, it's not the majority, it's the minority pocketed, uh, splintered groups, it will quickly be lost. My, the end of the Pasuk says, Vesar Mera Mishtolel, a person who moves away from evil, Mishtolel. What does the word Mishtolel mean? The Peshat in the Pasuk probably is Milashon Shalal. Shalal means spoils of war in some way. But instead of reading it like that, Lehishtolel, back then and today, it's the way you refer to any Israelis in the crowd, as Lehishtolel means to act crazy. So as a result, they're going to envision Vesar Mera, a person who's moved moving away from evil. Again, the vision is in Yemot HaMashiach, Mishtolel Amre Dever Bishila, Kol Mishesar Mera, any person who's going to veer away from evil, Mishtolel, people will look at them and say, what a Mejnun, what a crazy person. That person isn't interested in doing this. They're the crazy one, whereas Emet becomes Adarim, becomes splintered groups. Go ahead. These two Complementary. Yeah, are they, or is it one happens, the other doesn't, one... It's in the same, <coughs> it's in the same pasuk. The pasuk is vatiya emet ne'ederet v'sar meramish tolel. Meaning the seven-year cycle. <coughs> oh, 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 excuse me. 
because it's not it's independent one of the other to the best of my knowledge. And again, there's no predicting exactly how this is going to take place. So the rabbis are, for one reason or another, pinpointing specific circumstances and attributes and characteristics, which if you ask me, they're describing as a to depravity of a generation. Mm-hmm. So they're describing more than anything in these descriptions, the lowest level you'll get to, and the other one, so to speak, how nature and how the world will lead us there in okay. some way. Yes, Rob. Go ahead. Are talking about society as a whole or just the Jews? As I understand society as a whole. They don't say one way or another. Like, uh, right CNN, Fox News. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I, I wasn't planning on going pol- politically here. Yeah. I mean, you, can't, you can't miss it. Yeah. The goal is always to do the right thing, but it sounds like you want to, you want, want much to come. You want yeah, the degrees. world to turn upside down, basically, in front of your eyes. In an ironic and scary way, I agree with you, but you can't be the one who pushes it there. So, I, I don't know, Lemashal, you're dealing with, I don't know, a group of people who you and I believe are off. I don't know, I'm making this up, don't read into it, right? We believe they're off, ah, they can't be stopped. Everybody's attracted to them. This is a group they keep uh, with this vociferous, terrible message and they're just able to ensnare people into it. And the only way you and I know that they're going to meet their end is if something really terrible takes place. If their leader, if their constituents are exposed for something, we don't actually want that to take place, but we need them to hit the depths in order to get out of this. So yeah, there's an ironic, again, if, if we're good people, which I'd like to believe we try to be, right? So we don't actually want them to hit rock bottom. I remember when I was in high school, I had a few classmates, that's what I'm thinking about. I had a few classmates, they were dangerous guys at the time period. They were uh, very attractive, but at the same time, in terms of popularity, at the same time, they were involved with not great. I remember one of my teachers saying, the only way that the, the and, and the grade, it's a wonderful grade, it's a wonderful school, and all that sort of stuff. The only way we're going to, in such a circumstance get out of this is if these guys hit rock bottom, right? I said, how could you say that? He said, it's the only way this is going. I said, I don't want that to happen. Anyway, that's, that's how I understand this. Again, Cole Misha, um, happens to be not, but um, not because of that. Cole Misha is a great teacher. She called any person who's moving away from evil, who's veering from wrongdoing, will be in that generation. The Gemara. So Eddie was asking me about this yesterday. At this juncture in the Gemara, we are not describing anything of that sort. At this juncture, and for that reason as well, I'm almost driven to answering you, Robbie, that it's specifically with the society at large. Not per se that Am Yisrael are bad or good, whatever, but we're more focused on what's taking place. But Jesse, at this juncture, I mean, the Gemara will have comments about, you know, the glimmers of hope and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of describing the world as a whole, it is not very optimistic with regards to if you're seeking redemption, you're not going to be able to actually pull this off. That you have one of two ways: you're either going to ascend to the top and, so to speak, bring him down, or alternatively, you're going to descend all the way down. We talked about this in the first or second day of this Perek, where I described Ramchal's vision of Yomot Mashiach and uh, of Geula, and it's not very optimistic. It's mm-hmm. not something that, ironically, we're going to be able to easily achieve on our own, and as a result, well. 
That's what's being described. So it said the Gemara talked about this emet, which was ne'ederet, truth, which was forsaken or splintered and, so to speak, less popular. The Gemara in this context tells a midrash, which, uh, in my opinion, at least in the last several years, has become my, famous, my, fa- my favorite midrash. It's a book recently was published a year or two ago by uh, Jeffrey Rubenstein. Jeffrey Rubenstein is a Talmud uh, professor in, in NYU. He wrote a book called The Land of Truth. It's all based on different midrashim, but this is his primary midrash, which he gave the name of the book to. This midrash, the Gemara will cite here, talks about, so to speak, the city or land of truth. Here it is. Says the Gemara, Amar Rava, Meresh hava amina leka kushta be'alma. It says, once upon a time, I believed, Meresh, that there was no truth in this world. Amar li banan, says, but a, a person, one of the rabbis said to me, and his name, Rav Tavut Shemeh, ve'amrela Rav Tav And some, his name is either Rav Tavut, Mr. Good, or Master Good, or alternatively, Master Good Day. Not like the tires, but maybe like the tires. It was Master Good Day. Uh, so that's significant. That's interesting in and of itself. So he's talking about truth. And he says there was this person who said to me, it had something to do with good. Uh, okay, anyways, what the person say to me, says Ravad. Now, I, I, I'll be very careful and very audacious over here. This midrash is not meant in any way, shape, or form to be taken literally. The message is so strong, though, at least in my opinion, with regards to envisioning, understanding life as a human being in this world. <speaking> So this rabbi told me, says Rava, that if they would give him, if anyone would give him, everything and anything that's filled into the space of this world would be given to him in order to lie, he would never lie. He would never tell a lie. That was his principle, that was, he was clear and steadfast on that. You can give me as much money, I will never lie. Zina Hada, one time, this individual telling Rava, and Rava reporting it to us, I visited that place, and the name of the place happens to be Truth. Here it is. It's the land or the city of truth. And the land of truth, the people who inhabited that land never lied. I mean, what a place. Couldn't find a place which has greater emet, furthest from Yemot Mashiach, ironically. And nobody would ever die and uh, imprompt, uh, uh, an unexpected, uh, wrongfully timed death. In other words, everyone had long lives, nobody had these tragic deaths, these unexpected deaths, uh, they lived long, good lives. Nisibe iteta min nehon, says Rav Tavut, Rav Tavyome, I married a woman from there, vehavuli tartin benin mina, and I had two children, two sons from her. Yomahad, one day, havayatva devitu, Says the Gemara that Rav, this rabbi told Rava, Rava reporting to us, one day my wife was sitting and washing her hair. The neighbor came, Tarefa Adasha, she knocked on the door. Savar, his opinion was, Lav Orach Ara. I thought it's inappropriate. It's not derecheres for me to say she's in the shower. Instead, I was going to say something else. Amar la 
letahacha. I told her she's not here. By the way, all right, you know, not in the shower until today. I think I don't know. Certainly, when I was younger, the principal in the house was if my father was in the shower and someone called, we say he's not available. I remember once I said he's in the shower. My mother over she said you don't say he's in the shower. Anyway, I don't know if we still do that. Anyway, says the Gemara. Amala letahacha. He said uh, he says to the neighbor instead he lies, uh, uh, and he says my wife is not here. Immediately, it sounds like Shachivu le Tartin Benin. His two sons die. Uh, he lied. He's in this land of truth. Atu inche de atralekame. The people of the of the uh, of the area come in front of him and say, "Amrule, my high." They said, "What is this?" Malehu hachehave maasa maase. He says, "This is what happened. I came and I had to lie because it was inappropriate." Amrule, the people of the land of truth. Of Kushta, say to this Rav Tavut, Rav Tavyume, Bematutaminach, please, we beseech you, we request strongly of you, Pok Atrin, leave our place, Velatigre Behu Motana Behanach Inche, and please don't bring death to its and our people. That's the end of the Midrash. What sort of Midrash is this? Strange description of a land of truth odd depiction of people who don't lie and so forth. There are several clues in my mind with regards to what the rabbis want us to read into this and to understand from it. First and foremost, the description of a place where there's long life in my mind triggers back an existence long before time and long before time as we know and that's Gan Eden where life would be elongated. It's only after eating from a tree. It's the tree of Eitz Hadat Tov vara, that goodness, this individual's name after the fact, Tav Yomeh, the Tov and Ra, existence of humanity, which brings forth death. The two sons, which he has, of course, corresponding to Cain and Hevel, the description then goes as follows. And Harambam, at the beginning of his book, Morei Nebuchim, distinguishes between two types of approaches of human beings to knowledge and to existence in totality. There's an approach which is what he terms tovenra. Tovenra takes into effect and into account societal norms. Is something good? Is something bad? You have your opinion. I have my opinion. Society at large has its opinion telling us what's good looking, what's a good way of living life, and so forth. But then there's emet and sheker. On the flip side, there's absolute truth. There's the black and white. The two plus two equals four is true. Two plus two equals three is not bad. It's just false. True and false are the objectives. Uh, good and bad, tov and ra, are the subjective societal norms. Adam and Hava, as it were, as the Torah describes to us according to Harambam, eat from this tree and enter into, they envelop themselves in a world of humanity. They have to, as do each of us, take into account what other people think. We can't just live a life of absolutes. If we were to take stances on absolutes, we could never Although the description is once upon a time, in a land of truth, you could live forever in a real world existence, there's no such thing. Lemashal, to depict the story, and I've told the story too many times. You but it's, have to lie, huh? Give me a second. No, I'll, tell, I'll tell you, I'll try to get it to you. Lemashal, I had a good friend uh, for many years, actually, a graduate in high school with me, and then we studied together for many years, 
and we learned together Torah for a long time, we were at a certain age, at which point I felt, and I convinced him, unfortunately, that it was time for us to go out and to provide for our family. So my wife was working a lot of hours during the day. It was not good for my family. I said, it's time. We were getting paid at Kolel standards a lot of money, but it wasn't enough money to sustain a family. At least in my opinion, my family was just not being built appropriately. So I said, all right, I'm, I guess it's time. So I said, what are you going to do? We literally had no plans until that moment. God bless my parents and in-laws for letting me have zero plans until the age of 27 or something like that. Anyway, zero plans. So I said, I might become a rabbi. So said, but you haven't taken any tests. I hadn't at that point. I took all my tests in the semichad and in the next few months, I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm becoming a rabbi. I said, why not? He's so good. He was brilliant. He's great. He says, there's too much politics in the rap, and it's all about how you say it. Why you say it's all nonsense. I'm not doing any of that. So I said, what are you going to do? I'm going to become a lawyer. I said, but you haven't started anything. He studied very briefly, did really well in his LSATs. He got a, uh, got a very good full scholarship, I think, to Columbia, and he's, uh, he became a high-profile lawyer. He came until COVID to visit every summer. Uh, and I, I don't see him often. He lives, I don't know, somewhere in New uh, Passaic or something like that. He comes every summer to visit, and he come uh, to here, to Allenhurst. And uh, I remember one week uh, he came, uh, one summer for Shabbat, and he turns to me and I said, so well, what's going on? He said, I hate work. I said, you hate work. You're always a positive person. See, there's so much politics in this law world. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I have to tell you, David, in this moment, I'm having this flashback. He goes, well, I told him the story. I said, you see, there's politics in anything and everything you're going to encounter because if you think you're going to be effective in any domain by just speaking truth constantly, but this is the true way, you're never going to be successful. The eating from Etz Hadat, quote unquote, the life that Adam and Hava, quote unquote, chose is a reality which you might call endemic to a human society, but it's who we are. If you think that you're going to raise your children or speak to your students or colleagues or work, uh, uh, workmates or anyone in a true and false fashion, but this is what's true, without taking into account the human dimension. That's right, David. If you think you're never going to white lie, if you think you're never going to have to submit to an unideal circumstance, Circumstance, you're deluding yourself and anyone and everyone around you because if you stand for absolute truth in a world where we live with human beings who have tendencies beyond true and false, you're going to find yourself in a strange society far from existence, unsuccessful both for yourself and for anyone you want to in, uh, impact in your life. The description then of this Midrash is, so to speak, finding a Gan Eden in this world and realizing, that's what the Gemara speaks to us, that there's no such thing. So strive for truth. Develop your understandings of absolutes. Study Torah. Be able to appreciate what the absolutes of existence are, but then Go out and speak to people, live with people, understand the emotional side, the passionate side of existence, the ability to appreciate and to develop yourself in a world which is filled with human emotions, tendencies, and directions. That, in my mind, is what this land of truth Midrash teaches us. Ironically, is it's that in the context. Of course, of course, you can read it. I don't know if he reads it exactly like me, but ironically, it's quoted here in the Gemara in a funny context. It's in the context of Yemota Mashiach. 
And just a few moments ago, so Jesse was asking, Yimotu Mashiach, I thought it was a time where we're going to rise. Again, the Gemara doesn't seem to be directing us that, in that direction, uh, in, that, in that fashion, but the Gemara did immediately beforehand say, Emet will be ne'ederet, and you might read that, and you might live today, in which... If we were to accept that there's so much fake news, you'll cry about it and you'll say, if only everything was truthful, unless you stop for a second and you appreciate that and you understand fake news, all right, we're not searching for fake news. We don't want that fakeness, but it is a part of who we are to be able to live a life and appreciate, quote unquote, the full side of it for what it is while searching through it, while parsing it and seeking for truth within that while understanding your own tendencies in life, well, that's the only way to do it. Yes, Jared? What's his enduring name? His enduring name is the man of truth, the rabbi of, excuse me, of good. He taps into the place and he exits the place because he really... That's right, because wow. he re- because the realization is what the Gemara says to us, if you live in a world of emet and sheker, and you're a human being, as he was, you can't have life of children. You can't raise children. You can't live in that world. Of course your children are going to die. So he leaves the place, and what's his name? I'm the man of Tov and Ra now, but I thought you never told a lie. That was who I was until I realized that when you never tell a lie, you lose your children, you lose yourself, you lose your life. Do you understand? What's that? He becomes Tov and Ra. He becomes Rabbi Good Day. He becomes Rabbi Good. Anyway, says the Gemara onward, Tanya Rabbin Horai Omer, Dor Sheben David Babo Ne'arim, Yelbinu Pene Zekenim, Uzkenim Ya'amdu Lifnen Ne'arim. And says the statement is, it'll be a generation of irreverence, that leading up to Yemota Mashiach. What do I mean by irreverence? How does the Gemara depict? That irreverence, it says that the ne'arim, the young lads, will yalbinu. Malbin pene havero barabim means you embarrass. They'll embarrass. They won't have the proper honor and respect for the zikinim, the elderly. Furthermore, zikinim, the elderly, ya'amdu lifne ne'arim. They'll be standing up for the young ones. The youthful, in that boisterous, self-centered fashion, will demand the respect of those who have more experience, knowledge, and life uh, and life understanding than them to the extent that they'll be embarrassing them and they'll be receiving honor from them. Ubat kama bi'ima and daughters will be standing up to their mothers. Vikala bahamota and, uh, and daughter-in-laws to their mother-in-laws, Upnehador, and again we'll see that line, Kipnehakelev, which we described accordingly earlier, Ve'enhaben mitbayesh me'aviv, and children, sons, won't have any shame, fear, or embarrassment from the ways of their parents. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.